Today's readings offer two examples of how we can respond to the good news of Jesus Christ in our lives. And I would like to talk about them this morning because I believe they have something to tell us about how we might respond to the same. So often in the Bible, women are not named. There's the woman at the well, the Syrophoenician woman, the widow's mite woman, the woman caught in adultery, etc. But in today's first reading from Acts, we meet Lydia, who is awesome, (laughs) a prosperous businesswoman. We assume she was either unmarried or widowed, because if there had been a man in the picture, the culture of the time would not have allowed her to be the breadwinner. Lydia may not have had any children either, because the passage states she and her household were baptized as opposed to she and her family and her entire household were baptized. The detail about her dealing in purple cloth, I don't know if you caught that, is also telling as it speaks to her wealth as well. The dye that is used to make the purple color is expensive. So Lydia was definitely high-end in her line of business, more Neiman Marcus than TJ Maxx. And the Lord opened her heart to listen eagerly to what was said by Paul. Once she becomes a believer, Lydia urges Paul and Silas to stay in her home, a place that later becomes a gathering spot for the nascent Christian community in Philippi, a house church. In those first years of the Jesus movement, Lydia becomes one of a group of people who are wealthy converts to Christianity and benefactors who supply the missionaries with places to stay and worship and also supply funds for their travels. This network of homes contributes greatly to the expansion of early Christianity. The writer of the book of Acts, whom we call Luke, gives us the gift of naming Lydia so that we can give thanks for women like her who heard the message of salvation and responded with generosity and an open heart. Some of us are wealthy too. I've been rector in Los Gatos for a year and a half now, and I have come to realize that some people here are not as rich as the stereotypical view of this town seems to indicate. On the other hand, others are even wealthier than I'd imagined. Wherever you fall on that spectrum, the question is the same. How will you respond to the call to generosity and compassion inherent in the words and actions of Christ? All of us here are better off than 90% of the world's population and probably two-thirds of this country's. Like Lydia, can we open our hearts to listen eagerly to what these scripture passages and these sermons tell us week in and week out? Can we find a way to get past our own comfort zone and engage in ministries that might one day prove transformative for the people whose lives we touch? I pray we can. The second example of responding to the good news today is in our gospel passage. A lame man, sick for 38 years, has for many years been lying next to a pool at the sheep gate of the temple in Jerusalem. It was a five-sided pool with five porticos surrounding it, similar to porches like a covered entranceway. 
Incidentally, this pool has been discovered and excavated on the north side of a temple court near St. Anne's Church, and it does indeed have five porticos, which is a testament to the author of John's accurate knowledge of Jerusalem. On another important side note, the gospel text we hear this morning is from an older and presumably more reliable manuscript. That's what they thought. They thought the older it was, the more authentic it was. We know this because later versions of John, discovered by scholars, insert an explanatory note about why the waters of the pool get stirred up. If you heard that reading now or in the past, you wonder, what's the big deal about the pool getting stirred up? Here's the answer. In these port- it says, In these porticos lay many invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the stirring of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well from whatever disease that person had. Without this explanatory verse, we'd be left wondering why this lame man is lamenting that no one puts him into the pool when the water is stirred up. It's an angel of the Lord. So here is this helpless man, lame for years, and lamenting his close proximity to healing, so tantalizing, yet unattainable. And Jesus comes along, doesn't even say hi to the guy, but knowing that he's been there for a long time, asks him, do you want to be made well? Now in the past, I have always felt sorry for the lame man, because everyone else had been beating him to the pool, and he'd been languishing for years. (laughs) But this year... (laughs) It had just gotten meaner. He strikes me as kind of whiny and pathetic. Um, I know that's not a nice thing to say, but what I hear Jesus asking now is, do you want to be made well? I mean, come on. (laughs) You would think that after almost 38 years of missing that first stirring of the water, this guy would have developed a strategy to get there before anyone else. If on the one hand, he saw others getting there first and being healed from their afflictions, wouldn't that motivate him to try something different? Maybe, I don't know, strike a deal with the others to just this once let his poolside seniority give him priority. Even icing on the cake makes you take a number when you shop there, you know? On the other hand, if he saw people stepping into the water first after the stirring and they were not being healed, then why not go somewhere else and Try to live some semblance of a life. Instead, the man is lame. He lies there contributing nothing to his world. He engages in no words or actions that might help things be better for someone else or himself. And he remains stuck in his own victimhood. I feel mean saying that, but he is kind of pathetic. This healing story is somewhat unique in that the man doesn't even ask Jesus for healing. Jesus comes up to him instead. Moreover, unlike so many who are healed, especially after years of an ailment, the man does not thank Jesus, nor does he follow him, like the blind man born from birth does when his sight is restored. In fact, a few commentaries I read this week suggest that the man actually betrays Jesus to the religious leaders. We don't hear it in today's passage, but in the following verses, the man gets in trouble for carrying his mat, doing work, 
on the Sabbath. And when he finds out that it was Jesus who cured him because he never even got his name when it happened, he walks back to the authorities and tells them it was Jesus. This begins a round of persecution on their part against Jesus. Not so cool, lame man. Do you want to be made well? The message contained in the good news is transformative. Yet some of us sit here year in and year out, waiting for someone to save us, waiting to be healed from something. When the healing or the transformation you long for doesn't show up, will you lie there and lament it for years? Or will you make an effort to overcome what ails you, stirring yourself out of your stuckness. I won't give you personal examples of this this morning, but I've got them, and I imagine most of you do too. Maybe not as dramatic as some, but certainly ways in which we are not motivating. So I think the message is simple. May we all have the strength and the courage to be more Lydia than lame man. With God's help. Amen.